Exceeding Expectations, Episode 80. Have you had many good experiences with estate agents? I can imagine many people shaking their heads now, but our guest today, Phil Jones, is from a new breed of estate agents. And he, he actually coaches estate agents to be of much more service to their clients. So that's today's episode with Phil Jones. This is the podcast where we give you ideas on how to give your customers a better experience so you get better testimonials and referrals so you spend less money on marketing and advertising. Please do share this episode with anyone who you feel may get some real value from it. I want to leave a review for us on iTunes and while you're there, hit that subscribe button as well. Today's episode now with Phil Jones. Exceeding expectations, my guest today is Phil Jones. How are you, Phil? Um, very well, thank you. How are you doing, Tony? I'm pretty good. And you're up north. Where, whereabouts is it you are? I'm very far north. So for those people that think uh, Manchester is north, it isn't really north. Um, yeah. I'm in Windermere in the Lake District. Right, and that's a beautiful area, isn't it? It is when you can you can see further than oh, 20 feet, yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And that, that, that's what, about three days a year? Yeah, in fact, I'm looking behind now, and actually the sun is out. So this is uh, one of the three days three days a year where, um, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful area. And um, you, somewhere we probably don't um, make the most of when you live here. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I should do really. And is that where you're from? Yes. So I, I live in a little town called Kendall, famous for mm-hmm. cake. I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. it. Um, mm. which is about 20 minutes away and yeah I've been there all my life all 28 mm. years of them right and and so business wise what is it so I know that you're involved in sort of a state agency and so on do you want to tell us how that all came about yeah so it's a it's a, a strange story so um, we opened in April 2017 and I, mm. I opened with my mother-in-law which is mm. uh, an interesting relationship Fortunately, we get on really well and we can say we like to each other. But um, Sam Ashdown, who is my mother-in-law and business partner, has been in the industry about 15, 16 years, coaching and training estate agents. And the one obje- objection that kept coming up was that she didn't have an agency herself. Mm. So while I was looking, for, I was working for an en- energy company back end of 2016 and um, felt like I should be doing more. I couldn't really work out what that was or what I wanted to do um but we had discussions about Facebook advertising etc and going to different things and then eventually we landed on the obvious answer which was um opening an agency mm. um so we had lots of discussions about how we were going to do this and which market we we're going to go into and the only way the only thing we agreed on was that we were going to go high-end um and the high-end meant unique homes only um, and be strict on that. So in April, I think it was actually April Fool's Day 2017, uh, I felt a bit of a fool. We opened Ashdown Jones Estate Agents and um, haven't looked back. Well, one of the things that came to my mind when you were just saying that was if your, your mother-in-law was doing that for, you know, you say 15, 16 years, what was the reason why she didn't have an estate agency before? <laughs> so the reason she always tells me was that they work too hard. 
that's yeah. that's the answer she gave. So um, she had, a, I would call it an easy life. She worked three to four days, earned very good money, um, doing something she loved, and I dragged her into a state agency. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's the only reason why. And I think sometimes when you're coaching and giving consultancy to an industry, an industry specific, mm-hmm. it's quite powerful oh. being outside of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a business coach now who has no idea about estate agencies, but but he can ask questions about what I'm doing and almost say, well, why would you do that? When he hasn't got a clear understanding of it and it just gives you a different aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in one sense, I think it's actually good that, Certainly, we came from um, a marketing background outside the industry, and then came into the industry that way, rather than came through the industry as a as a, a sales neg from you know, and then and then tried to learn the marketing that way. Hmm. And so, you, when you say you things have been going pretty well, and would you put some of that down to you are doing things in a different way to many of your competitors? Some competitors, definitely, without a doubt. Um, one thing that was really important to us is that we weren't going to be a run-of-the-mill agency. And um, we, in, within the first maybe five to six weeks, mm-hmm. we fortunately got invited out to, to a few homes. And um, I remember sitting in the living room of one home. It was 850000 so at the time, which has 1% of the first five or ten homes. Um, and I, I was just thinking, 8500 needed money we i didn't have any income at the time and sam um said to the owners look i don't think we're the right agents for you and and disappeared we walked out and at the time i was i couldn't believe that we just walked away from a, from a potential eight and a half thousand pound fee mm. and it probably took me a year to realize why we did that mm-hmm. in the sense that it didn't fit our brand it didn't fit what we were about we didn't personalities probably clashed a bit um Mm -hmm. and i think that having that selectiveness um has probably stood as apart from everyone else and that has been the biggest thing as to Mm -hmm. how we got to where we are so now people although we charge more than anyone else quite a lot more than anyone else by them knowing that there's a chance we won't work with them almost Mm -hmm. makes us more attractive yeah yeah the scarcity yeah yeah exactly so that's really the number one thing that, that we've done that um although you know we spend a lot of time and money on our marketing um of homes, not all of ourselves, mm. the the fact that we've been selective has, has been the number one thing. So when you were starting out and in that situation you were just explaining where you didn't have or when you were first trying to get a property onto your books or something. Mm. I guess it's a real kind of chicken and egg situation for the customer, um, for them to go with you. I mean, would 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 they being aware that you didn't have any other properties at that time? Or how, I mean, how would you? How did you cross that? Yeah. So, good question. Um, so, what we did is we were massive into sales letters. Love Dan Kennedy and, and all of that. Um, the idea of direct mail. So we wrote these, what we thought were amazing sales letters, but what we actually offered is three places for free. We, we didn't hide behind the fact we were new. We, you know, we, we pushed that forward that we are new and that we're learning and would, will you let us learn with you? And, um, and we got two calls immediately from those, which were lovely houses. And we got a chance to market two homes that were already on the market. Um, 
and they were winners because we didn't charge a fee and we were winners because we could then produce some marketing that we could then show other people and say, look, this is the kind of thing we do. This is the position we're taking in the market. And, and from there, that, that's how it grew. Um, so we didn't hide behind the fact we were new at all and we embraced it. Mm. And we were fortunate that there were two homes that um, embraced it with us. And in, in general, estate agents don't have a great reputation. So how... What were your thoughts on that when coming into it? I mean, you obviously would have been aware of that. And so what, what were your thoughts around that? Yeah, the industry as a whole has a a bad reputation. And I don't think it's necessarily um, a wrong reputation. I think there are a lot of agents that take people's money for granted and take people's mm. homes for granted. Um, mm. And still, every single day, we'll go to an appointment and someone will say something. We took our team out to um, a comedy evening a few weeks ago. Um, Andy Parsons was the comedian and he stood there for 20 minutes talking about estate agents. I didn't dare put my hand up when he said he's only estate agents in, but um, because we're, you know, we're the butt of the joke, but um, as much as we possibly can, it's in that once someone decides to work with us, it's then their experience is in our control. Everything we do has to – you're already starting behind the curve almost because people are expecting not to hear from you or they're expecting you to not be worth your money or – but it's our job to to spin that on its head and and make sure that, you know, everyone, when it comes to pay our fee, they pay it with as much joy as as you can possibly pay a fee. So, Mm. you know, one thing I'm really proud of is that – um, we've never had any questions of our fee at the end of the process. At the beginning, we do naturally, um, but at the end, no one's ever questioned it. And what would you say are the things that people misunderstand about your business? Um, yeah, good question. So, companies like Purple Bricks, which, by the way, I think have been brilliant for the industry. The industry needed a shakeup, and. Mm. Um, those companies that are struggling with purple bricks in the market mm. probably don't have anything. They genuinely don't do anything different to purple bricks, and therefore that's why they're struggling. Um, mm. And for, for those people listening who maybe not be so aware of purple bricks, you want sorry, to yeah. explain? Yes, yeah, so purple bricks are what's now known as a, an online agent. So you you pay them to market your home, and then they put it on on the portals like Rightmove and Zoopla, et cetera. And if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, then you've already paid them a fee. Um, but you, basically you're paying them for access to the market. Mm. Um, what we do differently is um, we treat it as a, as a project. So every little thing is, is taken care of in terms of photography. We'll, two of our team will go um, on the photography shoot with the professional photographer to make sure every single picture looks exactly how it's meant to look, how we want it to look. Um, and trust me, in some houses that that means removing a thousand items off a, a surface. Um, we have a professional copywriter which will write the um, write the copy and make sure that it's talking about how the potential new owner could live there, not about how many radiators or how many plugs are in there. Um, and then we produce. A, a bespoke brochure with bespoke branding on and it's a whole project um 
but the whole point of it is is the end result. And uh, we've been fortunate to show that everything we do and everything we put together has been able to sell homes that no other agents have been able to sell. And that's, um, yeah, that, that's been that's been great from a business sense, but also from a personal sense when you meet these people that have been on the market for four or five years. And a lot of them, are, it, it's not rare for people to, to cry at appointments with us. Um, and I, I, something I don't think people or even agents really understand the, the actual responsibility we have. We can, there's one story where we went out to a home when we were, we were just open and um, a local agent valued it at 900 and we valued it at 1.25 million, which is obviously a, a massive gap. Um, mm. We got questioned like, like hell about what we knew and how we could prove what it was worth. And we ended up selling it in one day for, for that asking price. So we had potentially made them, you know, £350,000. So that is life-changing. Um, I'm not sure the industry always gets credit for how it, of what it can do for someone's life. Hmm. Um, we, we, I met someone last year who um, I actually knocked on the door, door knocked them, and it was a gentleman whose wife had terminal cancer. And he sat me down and said, look, my wife's got six months. I, I do not want to end my life, end, sorry, end um, our relationship, or for want of a better way of saying it, in this house. I need, we need to move. And um, it's been on the market for a year, and we sold it within a week, and it gave them the opportunity to spend you know, the last few months exactly where they wanted to. And mm. that's almost priceless, mm. whereas... Yeah, it's um, and that it means more to us as a company than the, the actual fee at the end of it. Mm. Now, I know you you mentioned to me that you do things that are a little bit different to others, such as um, you know, like collecting clients and stuff. Do you want to explain a bit more about that? Yeah, so because we tend to now uh, list the the majority of the unique homes or higher end homes in the Lake District, often buyers come from afar that and they want to view five or six homes with us. So. Um, we'll offer to, if they're coming by train, we'll pick them up from the train station and um, take them around a couple of homes, take them out for lunch, show them the area as much as we possibly can um, and then drop them back off at the train station or hotel, wherever they want at the end of the day. And mm. it's amazing how many people will just view four or five homes with us as an agent and then offer them one mm. of those four or five homes as opposed to then going and seeing some four or five homes with different agents. Mm. Um I've never understood why. I personally wouldn't do that, but it's um, yeah, it, it's lovely for us as a company and for our clients to be able to offer that. And so that wasn't anything any of the other agents were doing. <clears throat> I, I've never heard of any agents up and down the country doing it. To be honest, it's not mm. something that it's because it's not. Uh, I always ask myself, why do estate agents have um, high street offices? And the only answer really is that here is because everyone else has high street offices. Mm. So it's like, that's the dumb thing. And people keep following the dumb thing. And if you keep following the dumb thing, you, you mm. don't get any a different result. Mm. Um, so this is what I'm, I was saying before about when we, we haven't come from an agency background, we've come from a marketing and an entrepreneurial background background. And that allows mm. us to make decisions um, that aren't the dumb thing that, that makes us stand out. So you don't so you don't have a high street office? We don't have a high street office, no. We never have. We're quietly tucked away in the countryside, uh, conveniently opposite Windermere Golf Club. 
Right. And no one can see when I nip out and uh, and have an hour's lesson, which is badly needed. <laughs> right. And and so many other things you you told me that you do that are a little bit different for your clients. Yes. So one thing um, we did when we opened, um, we've actually changed now, but we gave um, a meal for two for um, for, for the owners of, of that have just instructed us, our new clients, in some different restaurants around Windermere. Um, we've now changed that to, for something a bit more tangible that can last. So we've created our own scent. Uh, it's not something I got involved with. It was the team because they're, you know, I, I, I would not create the best scent, tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. But they all work together to, to create a scent that's in a, a really nice scent box with um, our branding on and it has um, a room spray and an incense, etc. So that goes down really well and they all put it up and then it, it, it works on two counts. Firstly, it, our clients love it. And secondly, when... Um, when potential buyers are, are viewing the home and we have our branding up in, in a scent box, those potential buyers could also be potential clients of ours if they're selling a home locally. So it works, mm. works in a couple of ways and it works on referrals. Um, but it's not something that we advertise we do because it's, we always want it to be um, – we, we ha- try and under-promise and over-deliver as much as we possibly can um, without losing the instruction. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, about your your sales team so when you started off was it just yourself and and your mother-in-law or did you take on other people at that point yeah so it, it was me and sam in her dining room <laughs> with two mm-hmm. computers and in fact mm-hmm. at the time we um we talked about this morning we took, got an email off our biggest competitor locally um mm-hmm. had lots of interesting comments in it but one of them just said all you have is a computer and lots of confidence and actually mm-hmm. i didn't even have the confidence all i had was a computer so he wasn't mm-hmm. wrong when he said that but um he probably regrets sending it now i would imagine well was he trying to put you off it, well yeah he was yeah absolutely and it was um as a 25 year old that had been in business for four weeks it was i genuinely found it extremely threatening and um I probably hid under the desk for at least two or three weeks before I dared put anything out on social or or any you know do anything again. But um, now I see it as almost a, you know it was a badge of honour. It was something that they saw as a as a threat. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? I'm sure it happens in all industries. And so, and so, how has the growth been? You know, with your sales team. So, how, how did that come about? Yeah. So. Um, we took on an office manager. Um, that was our first hire. We've we've had. I was counting the other day. We've had eight or nine team members c- come and then leave because our values weren't aligned or um, it wasn't the job for them. So that's really important to us that you know we work the team really hard and we expect them to be aligned to our values. And if they're not, then it, it's it's not right for us. But um, we've now got a team of ten, three years on, which allows Sam and I just to concentrate solely on um either the other business or just growth um we don't get involved in any any of the sales um but one thing that we do again differently in terms of the team and agencies that we don't pay commission Mm -hmm. i feel like we feel if we paid commission the experience of our clients would be less you know when we want our team to 
to show someone for three, four, five hours around a three million pound house. We don't want them to have a half an hour slot and then move them on. Um, whereas if they were paid commission, it might be of more interest to them to get as many viewings done as possible and therefore, um, you know, we're just not offering the best experience we possibly can. So we've stayed mm-hmm. away from any sort of um, pay structure that, that like that, but it costs us on the front end in terms mm-hmm. of salary, which, which is fine. Um, but we think that <coughs> sets us aside as well. And so would that make it harder to recruit people who have got previous estate agency experience because they'll be used to that commission base? <laughs> yeah, good question. So we purposefully have avoided anybody with industry experience. Mm. We we can teach people how to be an estate agent. Um, it's very difficult to, to unteach bad habits, which I think mm. is in the industry. Um, so we hire purely on um, values. If the values are aligned, we feel like we can teach them skills. So mm. it, it does cause some challenges. Um, mm. We've got my um, client executive, we call her my second in command, if you like. Hannah um, is leaving to give birth in a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So replacing her has been an absolute nightmare. Um, mm. But we'll get it right eventually. You know, it, it's, uh, we tend to do group interview. We, we've got a very strict process. So we asked for a video um, initially, which probably only 10% of people will do. Um, and then we have a group interview and then we have one-to-one interviews. And by the time you get to one-to-one in- interviews, I'd say... You know, 95% of people have pulled out. So, um, yeah, so it can be quite quite difficult to find the right people. Mm. You, um, uh, another thing you, when we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned about that you've been on the receiving end of some good experiences. Yeah, some bad also, um, but we'll talk about the good, good for now. So, um what Sam and I do is whenever we buy something from a known brand, say Vivian Westwood or something like that, we mm. note down every single thing they do from the, from the email to the, um, to the packages it comes in and, um, and consciously video it all. And then whenever we're making a decision, try and do it from that. Uh, mm. In terms of actual experiences, um, I was on a flight this time last year. It's a Virgin flight, and I've got the, some bad stories about some other companies, but um, it's a Virgin flight, and I've got two young kids, and um, they were one of them was um, Rosie, who was one, had a, a bad ear infection, so she was screaming the plane down, and um, we were getting some funny looks. So instead of um, you know coming to us and trying to. Uh, trying to maybe not tell us off but try and get us to calm down the child she um she made it clear to everyone that around us that the the child came first and Mm -hmm. um yeah I've never really experienced anything like that before it was Mm. it it was almost spun it on its head so where I was I was really feeling anxious my wife was in tears um Mm. it made us almost feel comfortable and maybe it felt the people around us feel uncomfortable, but they were in a, a lot easier situation. So just by, I was, I was saying before we started recording about communication, 
I think communication is such an underused and underrated um, skill in business. Mm-hmm. It's such a, a simple thing to do. Um, and people don't know what they don't know. So I had no idea whether um, the staff were going to be irritated at us or, or, you know, vice versa. So just a bit of communication goes a hell of a long way. Mm. Because you you were telling me about you've learned you know, the communication and other other things as well that have sort of been a revelation. Yeah, so it, and it's been recent, really. Um, I was tr- because the comment that gets chucked at us all the time is we don't want to feel like a number. Mm. Um, and again, this is probably in multi industry, but estate agents have a, a habit of making people feel like a number. So I was trying to work out why exactly that is, and. Mm the simple answer is communication and, and that is it. Um, agents expect, and you were telling me a story about when you um, were selling your home, but agents expect you to know that if there's a viewing and you don't hear from them, then they haven't heard from them either. They've been chasing, but they haven't heard from them. They expect you to know that. They expect you to know that if um, someone goes to see a, a home and, um, and love it, but ha- but aren't in position to make an offer. They expect you to know all that without communicating it. And it's mm. such a simple and powerful thing to do. So um, one thing we do again to on a, an experience level is after every viewing, we've got a, a card that we write on there, just some simple notes like, um, you know, the, loved the conservatory, but felt the kitchen wasn't quite right for them. And then we've got a scoring system of a, um, from a really sad face to a really happy face and, what we try and do, this was five faces. We try and keep it on, on the middle three to keep it level because um, buyers are, are definitely liars. They'll tell us that they're going to put an asking price offer in and you'll never hear from them again. Um, mm. But just that little bit of communication, it's not even verbally, you know, it's just written. Just mm. it buys you time and it gives you, um, it, you know, if, it, if we put a sad face, that owner knows that night that they're not going to get an offer for that person rather than not knowing, which, and not knowing is the worst thing for anyone in, you know, I've just come back from Barbados and, um, we, our flight was canceled mm. and they just didn't tell us anything. And mm. I, what they don't realize is people don't mind, um, the fact that it, it was 24 hours delayed. I just want to know, yeah. you know, and, and, um, I think communication is, is such a big thing that, and it's forgotten. It's almost like, um, it's better not to tell them. Mm. So, you know, if, if I've got bad news to tell someone, you, you've got to just pick the phone up and tell them rather than avoid it. Avoiding it mm. just causes more problems, which I probably used to do in the first year. You know, if there's a difficult conversation to have, I would email it or just not have it at all. And um, I think that causes people to feel like a number as opposed to um, an actual client or a person. Hmm. I mean, what, what you just said about uh, the experience on the um, the flight and Barbados and not being given any information. Hmm. I I was reading a, a book a month or so ago by a guy called Rory Sutherland, and one of the things he said in the book was he believes part of the big success of Uber is they're, they're not actually any faster than any other companies, but when you're able to look on the app and you can see the cab is on its way, it just gives reassurance. 
And so that's the only that that's part of why they're so successful because it just you're not wondering well is it on its way when is it coming what you you know exactly what's going on yeah exactly it's really I've never even thought of that but it's a great point um, yeah because Uber's another powerful thing thing about Uber is how easy it is to buy off them which mm. is something we try and concentrate as well and making ourselves as easy to buy off as possible but yeah the, people are. Sh- a shoer and um, when they know what's happening mm, and reassurance it, is so important it is yeah and I think it's such an underrated aspect in business um, we all mm-hmm. concentrate on the marketing and the sales and um, and whatever else but forget about actually speaking to our clients mm-hmm. um, and I don't think email does it really it, I think picking up the phone or even face to face is the mm. strongest way we have a hierarchy of communication in our agency where um email is at the very bottom uh face to face at the top obviously and then it goes phone call video message voice message and, and we we try and make sure that the team go through every single piece of communication before they revert to email and how do clients respond to things like say video emails um some reply using email um, mm-hmm. but they always tell us that, you know, that they just love knowing what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And we get the best feedback off clients when they've come from a different agency. Mm-hmm. You know, going from not talking to anyone, like you said, for, for six weeks to all mm-hmm. of a sudden every week having a video saying um, exactly what's going on, who we've spoken to, what we're trying to do. Um, you know, it, it shows what we're being paid for. We're not just being paid to put something on a, onto the internet and hope that someone someone buys it. Hmm. Did you? I can't remember. It, it, I might have misunderstood you earlier. Are you now? I mean, obviously, Sam is is um, coaching other people in the industry. Are you also doing the same? Yeah. So we've now got a, a company called Firewave, which um, has does lead generation for. Uh, estate agent independent estate agents mm-hmm. um and, and yeah so we do um direct direct mail so we write monthly sales letters um mm-hmm. and and send them to them and they then get sent out to um homes on the market in that area we produce content for social media um mm-hmm. and we created this app application that which is a bit like hootsuite where we upload the content and they can um drag and drop it into their social media and it will send it out throughout the month. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's what we're concentrating on, on at the moment. Uh, we do do a bit of coaching, but we're slowly kind of coming out of that. And so that, what you were talking about just then, is that with estate agents all over the country? Is it just in the UK or elsewhere? We have a couple in Ireland, um, but other than that, yeah, just in the UK at the moment. And how do you see that growing? Um, there's a few ways we see it growing. First, we could go into different industries and partner with people. So um, industries like accountancy or law, you know, I don't think that their social content is probably what it could be. Um, so we could partner people in that way. Or, as you say, we could um, go international and go into different countries. The, the challenge with that is that we talk about, say, right move, and uh, obviously it's totally different in the U.S., in terms of companies and, and buying and selling is different in uh, internationally. So that's a challenge with that. Um, so we'd have to create new content, which, mm. which would be fine. But um, 
yeah, it's it's a few years off yet, I think. Mm. What what do you what are your thoughts about exceeding expectations? What does the phrase mean to you? So good question. So exceeding is um is the first funny word. I think just meeting expectations, first of all, mm-hmm. should be most companies um they should concentrate on. Um, I think a lot of companies over-promise and under-deliver as opposed to under-delivering and over-promising. And I understand sometimes you've got to win business and and um, and therefore that, that's where that comes in. When you exceed expectations, you create super fans. When you create super fans, you create an evergreen marketing machine of referrals. Um, we have maybe four or five that probably every single month give us a referral. Um, mm. Those referrals will always use us. You know, referrals are, are funny in the sense that they don't, they're, they're often awkward referrals, um, but to have that network of, of super fans that refer you consistently, it, it, you know, it's, it's not possible to create marketing as strong as that. So that's what I think exceeding expectations does. And what would you, how did you learn that by exceeding clients' expectations, that was a better way to do business? What, what, how did that come about? <sighs> yeah, that's another good, good question. Um, it probably started by the feedback we were getting about other companies mm. and I'm extremely competitive by nature. I would hate to think, and, and you know, proud, I'd hate to think that anyone would ever talk about my company in that way. And therefore, mm. that has set the levels. Um, and then, you know, I, my business isn't really a business in such, it's more a personal thing. So mm-hmm. when we go to sell someone's home, it, it's a, I've got a personal responsibility to do that for them. And, mm. and that exceeds expectations for them. They don't expect that. Um, and the results from exceeding expectations have then made it clear to me that that, that is the way to do it. Mm. Um, a couple of times maybe in the past we've slipped up and not done what we said we would do. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that, that has cemented the fact that that is not how I want to do business. Mm-hmm. and um, I can lose sleep for two, three, four nights on it and it's, it's not worth it for me or my family. Mm. So if people want to find out more about you and, and the things that you're doing, where, where would be the best place to look? Yeah, Instagram is a good, good start. So my Instagram is um, Phil Jones FW, so Phil Jones for Firewave FW and um, our Firewave website, which will be brand new in a, in a couple of weeks, is www.fire-of-death fire-wave.co.uk so you, you you mentioned about your course so who would be the types of people that would be maybe interested in the uh the course that you yeah, we do we do do courses um but but yeah the independent estate agents up and down the country um the uk if we're always happy to have a chat to see how we help we can help and then um on my instagram i'd love to help any startups anyone in that was in my situation a couple of years ago i'm fortunate that i've had sam to guide me through it um i've now got a business coach the last few years i'd love to help anyone that that needs it 
within the first couple of years of business. But what would so so, so say there's someone listening to this and thinking they've got no experience whatsoever of, of the um, estate agency industry. Um, and they're thinking, I, I want to do something different. I don't like my nine to five job, whatever it might be. What would you say that would, um, what would they need to, to make it success of this? Would they need like a certain amount of capital to invest or, you know, what, what, would, what would be the case? Yeah. So in terms of capital, you probably need 30,000 to do it properly. Um, which isn't, you know, it's not a great deal. Um, but you need a clear strategy, marketing strategy of how you're going to go about it. Um, like like any business, niche down and then niche again is the way to do it. Um, there's, a, there's a big thing about fees in the industry that you can't charge big fees. There's no reason why you can't. Um, so I would go as little homes as you possibly can and charge large fees. Um, but in terms of capital, about 30,000 and a, a clear marketing strategy. And, and look, I'd love to chat to anyone that was thinking about it. Uh, if anyone wanted a 15 minute chat about what they plan to do and et cetera, um, that'd be fine. And just before we finish, um, I know, I mean, well, you've got, we were talking before about a quote or a book, which are you going to do one or both? I'm going to go book. Okay. And although my business my business partner's got a book coming out, I'm not that is not the book I'm choosing. Okay. <laughs> the book I'm choosing is um the book that changed my mindset completely. Um mm. and it's from Daniel Priestley called Oversubscribed. Ah uh, yeah, great book. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. Um mm. anyone thinking about trying to be everything to everyone, th- this is the book that you need to read to realise that um that's not the right way to go. The quote that sticks in my head from his book is that 99% of people want a Porsche, but only 1% of people can afford it. And that's exactly how Porsche want it. You know, if they wanted 99% of people to own one, they would they would put the price down. But by doing that, 99% of people wouldn't want one. And so when, when was it you read the book? It was just as we were opening, so um, about three years ago. I read it. And is it, did you sort of go back and read it again? Because it, you know, how, how, what did you think? I, of it? I, have, I think actually, I think it's just released a new new version. Um, but I have it sat on my desk all of the time. Um, and if I, I went to a home this morning, 650,000, and said to him, it's not right for us. And every time I go out, I look at that book and know that, that we need to stick to exactly what our brand is. By doing that, um, will make us oversubscribed and make people want to work with us. So, by following the philosophy we subscribe, it's it's been working for us. Exactly. Yes. Fantastic. Well, Phil, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Good good luck with with your business. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. Next week is episode 81 with Alain Hunkins. He runs a company called Building Strong Leaders and has just released a book a few weeks ago called Cracking the Leadership Code. He's going to tell us about how to build strong leaders and what's involved in that. So that's next week's episode with Alain Hunkins. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone, subscribe, leave a review, and I hope you 